You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lynn Markell. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. And Icrimbus. Merry Crisis. Very close to Christmas, anyway. Merry Chrysler. So, when we were sitting down to figure out what our intro was going to be, we realized that, oh, hey, this is the episode that comes out right before Christmas. Yeah. Also, we forgot all of the other holidays in December, so... Are bad. Yeah. <laughs> Very late. Uh, ha- ha- I hope you had a good Hanukkah, if mm-hmm. you celebrate Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Merry Christmas. Yule was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time of posting this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so- Saturnalia. Uh, all of the above. All of the other ones. Listen, this has been a weird year. We're not totally sure what day of the week it is most of the time. At right. this point, no. And, and- or day of the year. But it's almost over. Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. almost over. This Whether this is a good thing or not, we're still unsure. Yeah, this is not quite our 2020 Reflections episode yet. That's probably next week, but... Well, let's just focus on the Dungeons and Dragons, because I don't want to... Fo- really <laughs> we don't want to reflect. <laughs> Fucking fair Reflecting enough. is just bad. So, reflecting on... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, reflecting on Chris- Christmas last year, um, I've told I told this... The story, I think, in the Albear episode about how last year my mom got me yeah that little collection of like different types of notebooks that had iconic D and D monsters on it, and I said I was doing Albears because that was one of the only topics we had actually not yet covered. That was on that. That was on that. One of them was a red dragon, which I mean, like basic. We like well and we've talked we've talked about a lot of dragons. So I feel like it counts. But we I mean we haven't we, really we, talked about red dragons, have we? We've uh, we've talked about a dragon that is red. So, I'll and take it. And we have talked about a lot of dragons. So, I feel it's like almost like they're the dungeons and dragons. They're 50% of what we have going on. So, True. So, seeing as I did one of the last entries on that, you know. Yeah. That series of of nice notebooks which I will actually post pictures of on our Twitter now that I've done them all. Um, I only had one left. Left. One iconic D&D monster left. And that is the Knoll. Ah. The Knoll. The, 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 the beast. The Knoll. Yeah. Yeah, the hyena, hyena people. Boy. Humanoid hyena. The humanoid thing? hyenas. Yeah. Much like one of my personas. So. <laughs> Well, then. You're laughing, but I'm dead serious. No, I know. I know. Taylor, you know. I, I do know. Lewin has commissioned uh, <laughs> me before. Multiple personas because... She can't decide. I, I'm flaky. So, <laughs> we're going to briefly talk about the real-life uh, origins and potential inspiration for Knowles. So, according to the book, 
A Brief History of Gnolls, Anthropophagy, and Emeralds from Wales to Wisconsin and Beyond. Jesus. That's, ma- that's a mouthful. It's, that is it's such fine. a long title for a brief history of. Right. Yeah. It's funny because the, the book is like 36 pages long. <laughs> so the title is like longer than the book. Yeah. Um, and that was written by Paul Haney and was released in 2015. Um, according to that book... Knowles first appeared in the 1912 short story, <clears throat> How Noth Would Have Practiced His Art Upon the Knowles, which is written by Lord Dunsany. And that was part of a, it was basically like a compilation of short stories, because this is like a page long story. Right. Um, so in this story, the titular Noth is a thief, and he plans a heist to raid the house of the Knowles, which in this story was spelled G-N-O-L-E-S. Okay. Very, uh... Slightly, like, differently than yeah. the Indy Knowles. Um, alongside a young man who was dragged to Nuth for an apprenticeship by his mother. So this poor, hapless kid that tags along with him. Right. Um, Wait, an apprenticeship in being a thief? I I don't think she realized what his occupation actually was. Okay. Because <laughs> the, the whole thievery thing, I think, was new to him. It was something he was trying out. Okay, okay. Because um, all these stories revolve around this Nuth guy. <clears throat> Um, so, the gnolls in the story are not really described, but I selected a quote to best convey, I think, the vibe. Okay. <clears throat> quote, But the gnolls had watched him through knavish holes that they bore in trunks of the trees, and the unearthly silence gave way, as if it were with a grace, to the rapid screams of Tonker as they picked him up from behind, screams that came faster and faster until they were incoherent. And where they took him, it is not good to ask. And what they did with him, I shall not say. God damn. So they ate him. Yeah, they probably ate him. Probably, yeah. Don't like to think about that much. Yeah, it is not good to ask. So, that's kind of the... the They weren't described, like, physically. Right. But, you know. So, um, also, quick aside, this is not strictly related, but I had to talk about it. You'll see why. Um, I could not find much in the way of real-world mythology to point to a possible influence for either Lord Dunsany's work or D&D in general for Knowles, mm-hmm. but, like, I had to share this. So there are a lot of myths across the African continent about hyenas, which, spoiler alert if you don't know much about Knowles, is very different to a Knoll. Because right. a Knoll is just a humanoid hyena person. It's right. not a person who turns into a hyena. Right, they're, they're not shapeshifters. No. But a very interesting myth about uh, where hyenas I found was from Ethiopia. And that is the notion that every blacksmith whose trade is hereditary is actually secretly a witch or a wizard who can turn into hy- a hyena and does so to go grave robbing at night. <laughs> what? Hey, 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 babe. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Mine isn't hereditary because I have absolutely zero blacksmiths in my family okay. history. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> so Travis so, is not a wear hyena. Don't worry, I am not a wear hyena. So these wear these blacksmith wear hyenas, which is the coolest thing I've ever said, are referred to. <laughs> yeah, it's right? actually probably the coolest thing that was ever created. Right, ever. like that's just like, hi, I'm a blacksmith wear hyena. Fuck, nice to fucking meet you. Right, um, but these blacksmith wear hyenas are referred to as Buddha, and the suspicious notion seems to have originated from the tension between the Christian and Jewish populations of Ethiopia. A lot of the the sources I'm seeing for like documentations of this this phenomenon are from like the early 1900s. Mhm. So, again, gnolls are not 
wear creatures, but like, come on. Blacksmith wear, wear hyenas. No, that is pretty cool. Blacksmith also, wear, wear hyenas. I'm going wear to cryness. guess that this Buddha is not no, any way related to the Buddha. No, 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 no. It's it's spelled differently. It's okay. spelled B-O-U-D-A. Just figured I would okay. double check. Yeah, if they no. were one and the same, I was going to like probably flip out just a little bit. Oh yeah, and the and the Buddha did a little stint in <laughs> Ethiopia, grave robbing. You know, just grave robbing Gra- as grave a hyena, robbing, you as know. you do. You know, because why not? Why not? <laughs> so, uh, for after that brief aside, we are now going to finally venture into D and D. Oh wow! Finally, an our D and D podcast. Finally, it took us like however long. So, Knowles first appear in D and D in the white box set, which was published in 1974. <laughs> And we're described as a cross between gnomes and trolls. Hmm. Uh, I guess why they gave it the name name Noel. Yeah. That, hmm. Hmm. Yeah, which, I mean, to be fair, we don't know why Lord Dunsany gave them the name Noel either, but I... Uh, Okay. I guess maybe maybe Gary Gygax saw that, the word Noel, and thought it was, like, decided to... Well, decided to interpret it as, like, a portmanteau of those words, but... So, of the lack of description in Lord Dunsany's work, Gygax said, quote, parentheses, perhaps Lord Sunsany, I guess, I did not really make it all that clear, end quote. <laughs> so, he, like, calls this guy out for not giving them any description in his, in his work and decided, fuck it, they're gnome trolls. They're gnome trolls. Interesting. So, Gygax was... Actually aware of Lord Dunsany's work. Yes, or Lord Sunsany, as or it were. Lord Sunsany, I guess. <laughs> as it were. Um, so they were chaotic creatures that were generally described as being like an average hobgoblin, but with the exception of the Knoll King and his bodyguard who fought with the strength of trolls, sans regenerative power. Uh, all Knolls received a base plus two to morale. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's uh, it? That's That's, that's it. So, this description of Knowles did not last long. Um, with the AD&D Monster Manual, which was published in 1977, their description was changed to that of hyena men who lived in loosely organized bands with a penchant for raiding and violence. So, oh. that's more akin to our, our most modern people... Yeah, modern Knowles. Yes, modern Knowles. Not like your grandfather's This ain't troll. your grandfather's Knowles. Gnome troll. So they were described physically as being over seven feet tall and resembling greenish gray colored hyenas with dull red or yellow manes. Okay, yeah. They had black eyes and wore armor fashioned of shabby leather, animal pelts, metal plates, and horns. They had short lifespans for humanoids living to only about 35 and were chaotic evil. Spoiler alert, that doesn't change. They're always just chaotic evil. They're always chaotic evil and they always, in, in iterations where their lifespans are mentioned live to be about 35 and that's natural death okay that's not you know dying in combat as is more likely for them yeah they are a pretty chaotic folk as i recall yeah and i, love I literally fact- just told you. yeah yeah that was the point that oh was the joke. okay gotcha i love the fact that their armor is just fashioned of pretty much whatever they i know it's kind of cobbled together so their society was very loosely organized uh, they often squabbled with each other, but would also often join forces with another null band to take out a common enemy or increase the chance of success in a raid. They love raiding. Who doesn't? <laughs> Fair enough. Various increasing <laughs> sizes of null gatherings brings the presence of leader or chieftain type nulls that have higher hit dice. So basically just like other nulls, except better. 
They're just stronger. Better, better faster, at stronger. Nulling. Yeah, more null. Ten times more null. So the nulls also had a king with a following two times the normal size, but other than that and his, you know, physical strength, higher hit dice, yada, yada, uh, he had about the same influence as any other strong null leader. So they had a king, but, you know. But, like, he didn't really do anything other than, like, exist. And do null Be things. more powerful. Be a better null. He was better at nulls. He was better stuff. at nulling, yes. So 85% of null layers were subterranean. Nulls possess... Profess. Profess. They don't profess anything. They're not very smart. Nulls possess infravision, so they can see in the dark. Uh, the rest being of the that, the 15% being settlements made in abandoned buildings or towns. Okay. You know, like maybe ones that they raided and killed everybody in town and then just kind of moved in. And they're like, you know, this place actually looks pretty nice. I think I'm going I'm I'm to chill here for a bit. And then I'm going to ruin it so it doesn't look nice anymore. Hey, no, well, it looks yeah. nicer. Come on. Fair now. enough for their sensibilities, probably. Mm, yes. Yeah. Um, so Nose could live in any type of environment besides arid or Arctic. So okay. pretty much anything in kind of the temperate to tropical to kind of chilly, you know. They, they need a little bit of humidity and a little bit of heat. Yeah. And Partial sunlight. Don't water it too much. <laughs> and no to extreme cold. Correct. So, subterranean gnolls often had trolls living with them and acting as guards, and gnolls on the surface often had hyenas or hyenodons, which are apparently prehistoric carnivorous mammals. Okay. 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 They had dinosaurs acting in a similar capacity as well as pets. They kind of considered hyenas and hyenodons to be their pets. I oh, mean, okay. I, I was aware that there are... Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs and D and D. Well, they're just, mammals, but you know, they're. It's pre. I see they the word T Rexes. I see. I see the word prehistoric, and it's, it's a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to make a face at the accent that you just used. Dinosaurs. <clears throat> so uh, they all. <laughs> they also kept captives for food or dun 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 slave labor. Shocker. Woo. <laughs> oh, slavery. So, gnolls tended to be on good terms with a wide variety of goblinoid creatures so long as they were similarly matched in strength. And gnolls spoke the language of trolls, chaotic evil, because that was a thing. Yep. Right. Um, and they have 60% chance of speaking either orcish or hobgoblin, as well as having their own language. gnoll language. Yes. Okay. Um, they were described as strong, but disliking work. And specifically that they made poor miners. I don't know why in particular they don't like mining. But that that dislike of work is a is a pretty consistent factor and kind of as part of the reason they like to keep slaves. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they don't want to do the they don't want to do the labor, hmm. so they just They would rather just go and raid and enslave other people to do, do all the do hard their work. work. Well, what do they even have them do? I don't know. Probably and, anything from I mean like Stuff like that, mining or building to yeah. cooking and maybe tending to other slaves so they don't die. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm going to assume that they're not very good at first aid. Mm. Mm, probably not. So, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons also introduces the demon lord of gnolls, Yinogu. Yinogu. He was a powerful Tanari prince who appeared as a humanoid hyena with a giant figure. He's about 12 feet tall. Dingy gray skin and a sickly yellow mane, which was the only hair on his body. Um, <laughs> That's strange. Yeah. yeah, he he was he, and he he was kind of he is nasty. Nasty. He he literally looked like a dead knoll, basically. 
Um, he also <laughs> always carried a seven foot long, three balled. <laughs> Damn it. I was going to try. Damn it. Nope. There's no getting past that without laughing. Yeah, Fair enough. You tried so hard. He had he had three balls. Adamantine flail. So it's got like little spike balls on it. Y'all know. God yeah. damn. It's a seven foot long flail. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, he's a big boy. He's 12 feet tall. I mean, fair. You're just, not wrong. He's a big Good boy. Lord. Um, he had a host of powers as a demon prince, including the ability to communicate telepathically. He also had access to a variety of magic, including but not limited to invisibility, fly, polymorph self, fear, teleport, telekinesis, transmute rock to mud, and mass charm. Because nothing's more charming than a gaunt, skeletal-looking, mangy hyena man. Yes, exactly. I mean, don't forget, he has three bald flail. He does. He does have, he does have the balls. Uh, oh boy, there's a there's a kidna joke in there somewhere. <laughs> so he he was said to typically have sixty six of the most powerful gnolls in attendance. Of course, sixty six. And if not, he could summon six to sixty six <clears throat> of them in one round, as well as a less evil number of ghouls. I want to say it was like six to seventeen or something. Jesus I don't know. Christ. <laughs> so not five, not sixty seven. No. Six to sixty-six. Yes. Hmm. That that feels like when your conspiracy theory grandma is trying <laughs> really fucking hard to Reaching. figure out how uh, this relates to the devil. Yeah. There you Except have it. like it literally. It, I mean, he it literally is a demon prince. So okay, yeah, you know, but don't have to look that far. So, uh, Fiend Folio, which was published in 1981, introduced the Flind. Uh, most of the physiological differences were not discussed until later, uh, but flins basically resemble shorter and stockier gnolls with shorter muzzles and rounder ears. So they look cuter, probably. I was like, are they just cuter then? <laughs> like, I mean, they're more akin to, like, dog. Do- like, and, like, just a regular dog, yeah. I mean, to be fair, their their Advanced Dungeons and Dragons era art was not cute, much like it was for... Yeah, a lot of Sorry. stuff was not cute. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, for, no, it's okay. Y'all, y'all know. So they were very similar in behavior to gnolls who regarded flins as higher beings, basically. Oh. Yeah. I was expecting the flin to be regarded as like a lesser nope. variant between the gnolls. Nope. Oh, wow. Um and there there's given better, more concrete reasons for that later. But in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, they basically just thought very highly of flins for no particular reason. Okay. Um, flins were known for using a weapon called a flind bar, which basically was like a nunchaku that they used to disarm enemies as well as do damage. So they like, were ninjas. No, they were not. <laughs> they were ninja dogs. No, they were not. <laughs> don't don't ruin this for me. Ninja dogs. Don't okay. Run up for him. All right, fine. There's a rogue. You can play a rogue Flind, and you can be a ninja dog. Hell yes. So unlike Noel, uh, unlike Knowles, Flins did not get along with trolls and are lawful evil. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why, but <laughs> they were. That is also different. I, I don't know what in particular was maybe the splitting off point between a Knoll and a Flind, but they're here. There's one. They're here, and they have nunchucks. So the the. In Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition, the broad strokes of the gnolls remain the same between Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and the release of the Monstrous Manual that was published in 1993. Right. And that's that's a theme. Like, there, there's a, there is a lot to talk about, but I will say the broad strokes of gnolls 
remain basically the same as what I just talked about. Okay. So physiological details added include that gnolls have hands that can manipulate objects as well as any human can. So they can use computers. I don't know why that was my first thought. They could type. You know, that's good for them. They can type. (laughs) They could type if they wanted to, hypothetically. Uh, And also that females are equal to males in combat strength. There is basically no sexual dimorphism in their species. Okay. So. Huh. Unless or at least nothing that the average human. Yeah, it's right. it's said that you really can't tell the difference without <laughs> closer examination, I think mm-hmm. was the words used. Mm-hmm. Or also if a gnoll is pregnant or nursing. Because, you know, Yeah, kind of like dogs. Kind of like dogs. They got that whole, yeah. Yeah. Y'all know. <laughs> so <laughs> the previous note <clears throat> about getting along with hobgoblins at all, as long as their strength is relatively equal, is plainly spelled out. If the difference in group strength is too great, the stronger group will simply kill and eat the weaker. <laughs> so you even know, if they get along. Enough. Well, then. Right? I, sure. I mean, yeah. You know, sometimes you just get hungry and you got to eat your friend. Yeah. So they are stated to dislike goblins, which is funny because they get along with Hot every goblins. other type of goblinoid. But not goblins. But not, not just, actual not goblins. Not just regular ass goblins. They fucking... They find goblins to be annoying, and that's just the end of it. (laughs) That's bold coming from Knowles. So they dislike goblins, giants, kobolds, humans, demi-humans, and, quote, any type of manual labor, unquote. They're really lazy guys. They are super lazy. I Uh, love them. (laughs) So Knowles are carnivorous and preferred the taste of intelligent creatures because they screamed more. Or perhaps the, the fuck? perhaps the quote was screamed better. I don't remember. <laughs> you hear like I love um, them. What the fuck? You know, I, I might rescind my love a little bit. Just I, a little bit. No, I just I, I I have nothing for that one. I mean, that's not that unusual. I feel like I feel like that's what the you're not wrong. Well, that's what the edgy like person oh. in in an anime always says. You know, it reminds Sweet. me of the dude from Sin City. Or, yeah, or like that. You know, that's what that's what the edgy person always says. And gnolls aren't edgy, they're just hungry. So it's true. And like it better if you scream. I mean, who doesn't? So in combat, gnolls seek to overwhelm their foes with great numbers and horde tactics. So, you know. Right. It in fitting with their very chaotic, let's say food driven yeah. core. However, when under the command of a leader type gnoll or a flind uh, they diligently hold rank and work as a unit. They're very um, when it when it comes. Mind. Yeah. Well. Yeah. They 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 definitely. I would say prioritize kind of their immediate pack over Anything personal. Else? You know. Right. Like a like personal a squabbles or like a say a personal desire for glory. You know what I mean. It's just right. so strange to think about the fact that they can go from either being not really organized and just overrunning. A place or to, yeah. being strictly organized yeah. because they have like one person in charge of everything and they immediately just fall into line. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of bizarre to think about for sure. Yeah. Um, so they often, the, the kind of the source of them being nomadic is that they often deplete resources in an area by overhunting and then they simply move on mm-hmm. because, you know, they don't understand the ecosystem. Yeah. They're just <laughs> hungry. So, you know, Goo. Uh, got a lot of fleshing out, not that much because he's still gauntly thin, in the supplement Monster Mythology, which was published in 1992. Uh, he's described as deposing the former Knoll patron, Gorilic. 
So Gorlick was a chaotic evil god from Pandemonium who was in decline even before being formally deposed by Yinogu. Um, he was the, actually the one who originally taught the gnolls how to charm and tame hyenas, which is oh. pretty cool. <clears throat> that is pretty cool. But he did not create the gnolls. And thus, he did not have that as, a, like, an advantage over Yinogu for their popularity. Right. And his shaman slash priests were also not as powerful as Yinogu's because he could not provide them with as great of abilities. Right. Basically. Um, so Yinogu's priests were described as, quote, witch doctors with power over the undead, which I gotta say is a fucking metal image in my brain, just like a witch doctor. Yeah, no, you know, it's patchwork. Cool. Doctor Facilier, no, or uh, n- I almost said gnome, which is also cool, but Noel, you <laughs> Noel. know, I I do uh, really enjoy that though. Yeah, so uh, Gorlick has mostly fallen to kind of the the rank of like a like a totem kind of animal. You know, right. like some people still respect him, but like he's not he was he's not the Noel patron god anymore. He, yeah, he doesn't quite garner as much like. Fear and like yeah, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, clout, clout. I mean, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's also increasingly unpopular with Flynn's due to his own chaotic nature and propensity for like he just kind of wanders around pandemonium in the abyss as like a big hyena because he's mad that you know who stole all of his worshippers. So he just sulks. He just sulks around the abyss and pandemonium. Fair, fair. Okay. I mean, like, I mean, I would be a little salty about that too. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, well, get with the times. Give your followers witch doctor powers. That that would help. That would definitely help. Yeah. So, Yinogu's unspecified layer of the abyss is described as fetid and dismal. <laughs> his, yep. And uh, his avatar is as big as it is because Yinogu admires the strength of the evil giantish gods that he's come to associate with. And basically wants to project this image to inspire his knollish followers, which is, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if I could pick to be 12 feet tall, I would too. But but he, he, it wa- he walks kind of a careful balance with that because, you know, his people don't like giants and they don't really associate with giants. But he but. thinks some giant gods are kind of cool, as long as they're evil. Right. right, right, right. Gotta be evil. So, uh, Yinogu's avatar cannot enter the prime without being sent via a gate, spe- a gate spell. Therefore, he spends a lot of time communing with his priests to ensure his will is done. I want to say a later, a later book said that of the demon princess, he's probably among one of the ones who spends the most time, like, interacting with his followers, like, telepathically. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So, he, he takes care of his, his children. Um, but they're not actually his children. Because despite his ability to depose Gorlick, Yinogu also cannot be credited with creating the gnolls. Who did it? Who created them? We'll find out later. No. But the at this point, even the earliest of gnoll myths and like gnoll oral history does not speak of their creation. And it seems that they only value power. Which, is, I mean, Yinogu can provide. So they're fine. They're happy. I mean, yeah, he seems Fair. to do a pretty good job at granting them power, so. Yeah, but he did not create them. Hmm. So, third edition. Third edition. Third edition. Third edition. As in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd edition, the broad strokes of the Null remain the same. Um, they had previously been categorized as large or even giant, despite being the same size, which uh, this is roughly seven and a half feet tall. 
So they're being described as medium in the 3.0, uh, not 3.5. The right. third edition monster manual, which was published in 2000, is more to do with the evolution of the system. So now they're now officially firmly medium-sized creatures. Okay. Yeah, the system has evolved and... Numbers. Numbers, numbers have changed. And so many yeah. numbers. They kind of changed a lot of how it works, so... Yeah. That makes sense. So, gnolls are described specifically as being nocturnal and revering the phases of the moon, but not... Nice, same. Right. But not actually having many priests or really much to do with... The moon. With religion. Oh. <laughs> you know. But they maintain their penchant for horde tactics and ambushes, but their cobbled together armor and penchant for carrying shields gives them a negative six to hide checks, meaning that <laughs> instead of, like, hiding, they just kind of try to work the environment for surprise attacks by, like, you know, attacking at night or, right. you know, like, guerrilla tactics, knowledge of the area kind of thing. Um, also a change is that Instead of hyenas, above-ground settlements of gnolls keep dire lions as pets, which I will say Jesus. is fucking badass, yeah. but also... Like, why? Why not hyenas, though? Yeah. Because they're, 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 they're hyena hyenas. people. And maybe that's why? I guess. Maybe, yeah, maybe they have the same mindset as I do sometimes when I see certain... Th- or, like, the, the fucking Goofy and Pluto thing. Yeah. Maybe it's like that. Maybe one... Yeah. Maybe when Noel one day, like, looked at their hyena friend and was like... Wait. Wait a minute. And then they, like, looked at looked down at themselves and they're like, wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> Something's not right here. Let me go get me a lion. We're gonna go get a dire lion instead. Right. Jesus. I mean, fucking badass, though. So, um, in addition, these settlements are now described as being well-fortified, as opposed to, I think the vibe before was that they were a little more just kind of haphazard. Like, they just killed everybody in town and then moved in, but now it seems like they actually put some effort into... Like, maintaining it? and Yeah, and fortifying their settlements. Um, So, tribes also often break apart if their leader dies, and the squabbling among the next strongest takes too long. They don't have a clear line of succession that has anything to do with anything anything besides strength. Right, it's who is the strongest, and I'm guessing at that point they have to prove... And fight each other. Also worth noting is the generally ubiquitous third edition inclusion of usually in front of the alignment... Hmm. Which is my favorite thing, because that opens up a lot of potential, in my opinion, for null characters who defy the chaotic evil conventions of their race. Which we love to see. Which we we love to see. We love to see exceptions and yes, we do and fun characters, and we love to have the door opened to that for creativity for for the rules purists. Luna is taking a sip of the tea now. <laughs> It's actually water. Hydrate or dehydrate, guys. So. <laughs> okay. What? I mean, it's, it's true. It's true. It's important. So, curiously, 3rd edition introduces the god Erythnol into the sphere of Null concerns. So, in the Null's monster mansion. Wow. The Null's monster mansion. <laughs> monster mansion. They yeah, they live, in man- they live in mansions now. And Damn. they do the monster mash in their monster mansion. So, in the Knoll's so monster manual entry, it's described that their clerics, which it said they didn't have a lot of clerics, and then no. So, it's described that their clerics usually worship Erythnol, mm-hmm. who is described in Deities and Demigods, which was published in 2002, Woo! 
as a pandemonium native chaotic evil god of quote these are his uh this is his portfolio hate envy malice panic ugliness and slaughter end quote i love it <laughs> right which is very very null very evocative yeah yeah so, uh, Erythmos Sigil is a mask that is half of a boar's face and half of a demon's face, because he's edgy. Naturally. Um, and his, his stocky red-colored form often shifts in appearance between a human, gnoll, bugbear, ogre, and troll, which has earned him the title The Many, which creeps me out, because that was what my character call in, in our Pathfinder campaign called her unknown, eldritch, tentacly patron. Because she didn't know his real name. But I hope it wasn't this guy, because... I hope it was. No. I just wanted to be Hermes Mora from Elder Schools, because this guy fucking sucks. I can neither confirm nor deny. We'll talk after. So, in keeping with with his portfolio, Erethnol's dogma instructs his followers to relish in violence for violence's sake. And the notion of taking something from someone, particularly a rival, is a holy act. (laughs) <laughs> what a great guy. Right? Beautiful. <laughs> Hilariously, to me at least, his clergy particularly love to deface beautiful locales and maim attractive people. <laughs> oh my. I mean, they're so taking this, their beauty away from them. So this falls slightly out of the knollish purview because, you know, they live they live off in the wilds on the countryside. Right. But the but Erythnol's clergy's rural settlements tend to be exactly as Knoll settlements are described. They're just like fucking, you know. Yeah. They just take over a town or whatever. But yeah, this so <laughs> this clergy likes to maim attractive people. I don't know. <laughs> Which is just so like that's that's just there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Like <laughs> Well, that's uh that's chaotic evil for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, he is chaotic evil. Um, so Erethmal's relationship to Yunogu is briefly touched on in an aside in Deities and Demigods, which is that while Yunogu is a powerful demon lord, he is not a true god and therefore does not actually grant his clergy powers. Um, and he's described in Deities and Demigods as a lo- loyal servant of Erethnal and a middleman for null clergy, basically. So okay. he's so, been downgraded. Uh, it seems like this. Bit. It seems like this pivot doesn't last very long because, oh. for whatever reason, <laughs> um, in the 3.5 Fiendish Codex One Hordes of the Abyss, which was published in 2006, mm-hmm. they describe Yunogu as being able to grant his clerics powers, and altogether don't really mention Erythnol. So he's just there for a minute, and it was like. Okay. And then they were like, All right, okay, this, this is getting too complicated. This guy's too edgy. We need to patch him. We gotta out. retract it. This, yeah. We also finally get some more details about the creatively named Yinogu's Realm. He named it himself. He's very proud. I'm proud of him. Which is the 420 second layer of the abyss. Aww. He needs Boo. to, and that's his goal, is he's trying to move up two more layers so that way I can make a weed joke. More. That way I can make a weed joke in my episode. So, um, I don't have time to go into everything about Yinogu's Realm. But the main focus is that Yinogu lives in a citadel atop large stone rollers, which is pulled by thousands of captured mortal slaves across a handful of specific destinations in his realm. So he kind of just goes on tour. Okay. Uh, And his tour bus is slaves. I like it. 
So to speak, because he's scared I need of for a demon lord. You like the concept. Right. I right. clearly do not like slavery. Just the concept of this dude being drug on these giant stone rollers is just funny. Yeah. So uh, he delights in, <laughs> in hunting souls and idly planning moves against his enemies, which include the Queen of Succubi and Baphomet, his most hated rival. He and Baphomet really fucking hate each other. They can tell. So, Inogu is described as wanting his children to dominate the Prime, but he understands that with their current numbers, they simply cannot, so he accepts cultists from other races to further his end. Um, He also has some dominion over ghouls, because basically he took over the 422nd layer of the Abyss from the ghoul ghoul lord Dorisane. Jesus. That's hard to say. That sounds hard to say, yeah. So, he's, he's got ghouls. He's got ghouls. Goyle, He's got ghouls. G- ghouls and ganoles. and goyles. So. <laughs> wow, I think I just had a fucking stroke. So, um, a stat block is given for gnolls as characters in the 3.5 Monster Manual, which was published in 2003. But more details and role-playing advice is provided in Races of the Wild, which was released for the Nintendo Switch in 20... No. Which what? was published in 2005. I was like, wait. What? Okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. That We're actually testing our listeners. Yeah, that actually leads me to the perfect notion to to or the perfect aside to say that moblins in Zelda remind me of gnolls. Anyway. Oh yeah. So the mm-hmm. supplement spends a lot of time exploring the tribes of gnolls who are trying to pull their race out of savagery and create positive relationships with other races. And I'm just gonna read a quote here. Uh, quote. While most of their people remain mired in the cruelty of their demon prince, a few tribes of gnolls seek to pull themselves out of savagery. These tribes walk with weapons in hand, knowing that the civilized races hate and fear their people, and that other tribes of evil gnolls already seek to strike them down. Geared more towards survival than the cruelty of their kin, these gnolls stand at a critical juncture. Either they will succeed in allying with the civilized races and pull some of their people away from the cruel worship of Inogu, or they will fail and their tribes will slip back into evil and brutality. I think End I quote. them. Wow. Just wait. Just wait. You'll see. Oh, no. So, even casting off their chaotic evil nature, right? Uh, Null adventurers often struggle interacting with more charismatic races, because... They, they had the charisma of a null. Yeah. <laughs> So they are still used to the notion that the physically strongest person in any group should lead the group and have a dislike of staying in one place for too long. Uh, Despite their negative two to intelligence and charisma, gnolls do not see this as a weakness and take great pride in their natural strength and cunning. Uh, A gnoll adventurer is suspicious of others because of the civilized race's prejudice, which is sometimes learned. Because of, you know, the raiding and the murder and what have you. I mean, right, yeah. right, right. You know, that does happen sometimes. But once someone has proven themselves to a knoll, they are unflinchingly loyal to their new pack sibling. Oh, I love them so much. <laughs> They're very loyal. That's a... That's I, a I'm not wrong for loving them. No, you're not. It's just, I don't know, the way that they improved it and kind of like wrote that in is... Beautiful. Incredible, actually. Mm-hmm. And they... Yeah... Yeah, no, it got me. So, fun facts that come from this for, like, PC gnolls mm-hmm. is that many gnolls who turn away from Yinogu worship Obad Hai, who is the unflinchingly loyal kind of green man figure god of nature, or they reject religion entirely. Gnoll uh, naming conventions also often favor a double R, such as Daror or Mirin, 
and gnolls are often given compound kind of like tribal nicknames such as Blood Fist or Great Fang. Those were taken directly from the book. Hell yes. Oh, this is my friend Great Fang Mirren. See, I was thinking Mirren Blood Fist. Yeah, that works yeah. too. I like that one. I, I also like that. Great Fang is also just also good. great. Yeah, like, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, so it... I love them so much. You, you know what's embarrassing? This is embarrassing, guys. I was like, I actually teared up a little bit. Like when I was researching this and like reading certain things, for some reason it just got me. No, you should say it. This this like very forthright, kind of earnest, kind of dumb, like null, null kid. You know, it just, I don't I, know. I no, I love it. It just got me for some reason. I don't know. Do you guys ever cry about Dungeons and Dragons? Often, actually, it's kind of embarrassing. Well. We're going to take a little sabbatical real quick for you to go get over your embarrassment while we uh, while we do our ads. And Taylor and I can go cry. Yeah. It's actually just going to be Travis doing our ads because Taylor and I need to go cry about this hypothetical null player. Well, then. That'll uh, be fun to do. Hey, sometimes you just cry about gnolls. It happens. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out our gnolls episode. Woo! Listening to the saga of our dear... Ernest Young Knoll Adventure, who just wants to be friends with people. I can't wait to see what happens to him next. <laughs> well, hmm. next, he opens up his computer and he goes to metallicdicegames.com. Oh, what's he doing there? He's perusing their selection of dice and dice-related accessories, including beautiful exclusive sets you can only get on metallicdicegames.com. Oh, that, but that sounds like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's affordable, but it feels like if he buys for him and all of his friends, it might add up. Well, luckily for him, he can use code Dungeonpedia for 10% off his entire order. <laughs> we made it longer than I'm I thought sorry. we would without laughing. No, that was impressive. Thank you. That was impressive. With tra- we, were, we were holding back. We were, like, barely holding on. But, yeah, and like our intrepid... Young Knoll Adventure. You can also use code Dungeonpedia for 10% off your entire order at MetallicDiceGames.com. By now, the time has run out for your on-time Christmas orders, but... If you have any friends who have birthdays in January or February... Or even late December. Yeah. Or, you know, don't mind getting their Christmas presents late. It doesn't matter. And sometimes... You know, you just didn't get as many dice as you wanted for Christmas. It's time to treat yourself. Buy yourself a Christmas present with a discount. Yes. Don't forget that. But of course, we do still have our Patreon if you would like to support us more directly, which is just, you know, Dungeonpedia. Our, our, yeah, our intrepid null adventure has not made his way to his Patreon yet, but rest assured he will find it. And we do still take suggestions on what you guys would like to see on our Patreon. Yes, if there's any suggestions on what we could do to add more content to Patreon, let us know. We would love to <clears throat> make more content for you guys at <laughs> yeah. the end of it. Don't forget to follow us on all of our lovely social media, all of them being the two, which is Twitter and Instagram, both at Dungeonpedia. For content. For content. content. Good D&D content. All the lovely D&D content. You can also email us at dungeonpedia.podcast.gmail.com for suggestions on topics, Patreon suggestions, extra content. Comments, questions, concerns. Play a null. Tell us about it. Please, uh, I would love to hear you guys' D&D stories, honestly, regardless of whether or not they include gnolls. No, nothing but gnolls. (laughs) 
I'm kidding. Uh, and on that note, uh, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts because there are so many apps and so many different platforms. It's very confusing. And, yes, it's incredibly confusing. But most of the time, they have notifications. So whenever we post a new episode, you will know. send you a notification, which you will either be like, okay, go listen to or swipe away for later. But it's and okay either way. We get it. We, we get totally it. get it. <laughs> and on some of those platforms, they have this little feature where you can rate and review podcasts. And if you could just drop one in there, if it's one of those that has it, we'd really appreciate it. It would be so nice. But what would be even better for everyone, because who doesn't love face-to-face conversations with their friends, is for us to spread the word. Yes. Yeah, tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your coworkers. Tell, tell the your... random person across the street at the bank. Because you have to social distance right now, you can just scream it at them. And yeah. that way, even more people will hear it. And they're like, what the fuck is Dungeonpedia? And then they Google it and they find us. But, also, we have to thank one person specifically here. Oh? Is it Santa? <sighs> no. But is it our friend? Uh, I mean, if our null friend is Alexander Nakarada, then yes. Are you a null? Imagine. He might be a null. Probably not, though. But... He is the one that made our theme song, Blacksmith. So thank you, Alexander Nakarada. Thank you very much. We enjoy it. This is a gift for everyone this holiday season. As always. And another gift this holiday season. The second half of the Null episode. Let's get back to it. Let's go. So speaking of things that make me cry. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to talk about fourth edition. Oh, God. So... I'm actually barely going to talk about Knowles in the 4th edition Monster Manual, which was published in 2008, because quite <laughs> frankly, like, riding the high I just was uh, after that, I think, honestly, it was the verbiage of that quote that really got me. There was another one I didn't include that, like, had me crying in the fucking club. But, right, um, yeah, this is disappointing, to say the least. So, Knowles are back to being a half-page, if you take out the variants, quote-unquote, that mean absolutely nothing... Outside of a combat situation, and frankly, barely mean anything within a combat situation. Mm -hmm. So they're back to being a half-page-long footnote on another chaotic evil monster encounter that scours the land in the name of their demon lord. So you just took away everything interesting about them. That's how that makes me feel. Yeah. So, the only... I mean, 4th edition messes something up and makes it less interesting. Wow! I think I'm going to have a heart attack of not surprised. So the only interesting note is that on a DC 25 nature check, it's revealed that some captive slaves who show particular strength and ferocity can be indoctrinated into the Null Vanguard. That's okay. That's it. Okay. So Yenogu is mentioned in the Demonomicon, which was published in 2010. Yenogu is mentioned in the Demonomicon insofar as he gives a bunch of uninspiring buffs to loyal members of his death pack. Uh, he still commands layer 422 of the Abyss. He has not moved up two layers yet. God damn it. Uh, and his inclusion in the book seems to lean very heavily on a dragon article for reference. So. He's kind of boring. Yeah. So, said article comes from Dragon Magazine, issue 367, which was published in 2008. And the article is named Playing Knowles by, drumroll please. Keith Baker! Keith Baker's here to save us! Thank you, Keith. I love you. Keith Baker, welcome back. (laughs) We're so honored to have you on the podcast. No. I actually would die. I would would literally fucking die. So, this article finally explores the creation of the Knoll. 
in detail. Okay, yes. I need to know. I need it. Yeah, same. Okay. So, Yinogu, the way back in the day, before Knowles, Mm-hmm. Yinogu sought to spread his influence across the mortal land, because he's a demon lord. That's what they Naturally. do. Right. Um, but his demons were too few in number. So he took a few of his strongest demons and fed them to mortal hyenas, as you do. It was a tough sell. Huh? That was a tough sell at that meeting. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, and these mortal hyenas who consumed these demons uh, then gave birth to what we know to be gnolls. I don't ask me how that works. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess the demon, the demon weird used with the, the their essence. Yeah, the, the word essence was actually used. So, so I mean that. Yeah, that's yeah. all I got. Uh, fucking not essence. Quite what I was expecting as far as their creation, but okay. I mean, did you not expect Vor to be part of it? Because I did. You know, I didn't think about it like that until you just said it like that, and yeah. now I'm not very happy. Uh, get over it. Um, in the next paragraph, it stated that while this is the accepted truth for Knowles and kind of like a story that they tell their young to inspire them, which now that I'm saying it out loud is kind of messed up, but whatever. They're Knowles. Um, it said yeah. that it may very well be just a legend. So that might not even be the truth. But, you know, at, at least it. Don't. I, I got nothing uh, for you. I, I mean, to right. be fair, at least it's like something. That is like, well, maybe this is a legend instead of just being like, well, the exi- the the creation of Knowles is shrouded in mystery. And You're then, not well, wrong. At least it's something. I mean, that's that's fair. It's something. It is something. So this article does a lot for Knowles, both as alternative encounters to what is provided in the core text, which is chaotic evil killing machines. And also as player characters. Thank you, Keith. So, for the typical bloodthirsty packs of the Butcher's Brood, which is, um, the Butcher is um, one of Inogu's titles, uh, he introduced the concept of clans having a slaver, which is called a Tanta Kurash, or spirit breaker in the abyssal language that Knowles speak a fragmented version of. Beautiful. Um, and this uh, slaver specializes in torturing captive slaves, both physically and mentally, which is not beautiful. Not, 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 as, not beautiful. as beautiful. Not beautiful at all, one might say. Yeah, bad, one might say. Um, in doing so, some, or as a result of, rather, some slaves become Krishantel, which is savage souls in aforementioned abyssal language, uh, who revel okay. in combat just as their null masters do. And are regarded by the gnolls basically the same as they regard their hyena pets. Which, Which I mean, let's up. face it, is a step up from slave. I, you're yeah, no, you know what? You know what? You're not wrong. Yeah, and they have hyenas again, not lions, but dire lions. Excuse me. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, so where you move up from there is in 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 the process of this, um, you know. Torture and what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, some Krishantel retain their intelligence, essentially making them gnolls in human form. And they are used as scouts to evaluate the strength of pot- potential raid conquests and also sabotage said places in a way that, you know, only a, like a, huma- a human or demi human passing person could. Right, make so, it easier to raid and. Yeah, so, you know, then they're basically like a, like a, like a spy. Or whatever. So that's cool. Definitely a step up from slave. Yeah, that's definitely. I would say definitely, yeah. So some gnolls embrace their hyena side more than their demonic side. Over time, this has produced gnolls that do not revel in unnecessary bloodshed, 
but still retain a love for hunting and tracking and, you know, the hunt and all that. Um, these gnolls are typically okay. unaligned, and while they retain their wild nature, they have come to terms with humanoids living in their areas. So they'll they'll trade with them, they'll okay. sell their services as hunters or trappers or whatever. And while most gnolls, regardless of kind of their priorities, believe that they were created by Yinogu, some have turned to the worship of other deities. Mm. No. Just wait. So, some with a particularly strong connection to nature worship primal forces as opposed to deities. Many clans worship Melora, and the Black Moon clan worship the Raven Queen and die their fur black in homage to her. Nice. Isn't that fucking awesome? I I love that, actually. Just these, like, ink black, uh, just these ink black gnolls howling at the fucking moon. The Raven Queen by her side. Wearing, Wearing feathers. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. You love to see it. So, as a fourth edition, Knoll's willingness to eat carrion, because, you know, they're hyenas. Mm-hmm. They're hyena people, uh, including bones. <laughs> uh, they have very strong stomachs. Uh, means that typically a town raised by Knolls will not even have corpses, as Knolls have been known to dig up bodies from graves, which I'm sure is unrelated to the Buddha I talked about earlier, but it reminds me of them, because they're... They're yeah. hyena people and they're grave robbing. Yeah. I mean, except I don't think the Buddha ate the bones. I'm not sure though. Yeah. But it's we gonna, should be I, I've connect- once again, not that one. We are not slandering the Buddha. Right. The Buddha. Just the Buddha. Buddha lowercase. The Buddha lowercase. Yeah. I'm connecting the dots. The B O U D A Buddha. I've connected them. Or Bauda? No, well, an alternative spelling was B-U-D-A, so I'm going to say it as Buddha. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right then. So, uh, (laughs) they eat bones. Yay. So, female gnolls are largely indistinguishable from males. Um, That's the same as before. The same as before, though it's said, this is interesting to me, it's said that in some clans the females are larger than the males, and also that this general lack of sexual dimorphism has led to the incorrect rumor that gnolls are hermaphrodites or can change sex. And this may be influenced by real-life spotted hyenas in which the females are larger than the males and also have very similar genitals and higher than typical levels of androgens. Yes. I was not aware of this. Yes. 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 Uh, There is an alpha female in hyena packs, but not an alpha male. Yeah. And Uh, also the females females fuck each other with their... Yeah, yeah, with their very similar genitals. Yeah, and also the females um, fuck all of the males. Yeah, like they're they're. <laughs> it's just a fuck fest. Yeah. What the? It's okay. just a femdom fuck fest. Sure. Sorry, no, sorry. The alpha female fucks all the males. No, yeah. not not the other way around, or not rather not any, not yeah not any of the other females. Only yeah. the alpha I'm, female. Taylor female. and I are making a lot of hand gestures. I don't know I, why I know this much about hyenas. I don't know why you do either. I. I when I looked into this, I was like, I need to find an opportunity to talk about female hyena penis somewhere in this episode. And you know what? I did. And it was in fourth edition. Good job. I'm sure our listeners appreciate that. <laughs> they should. They should. You're welcome, guys. So in, including things they should appreciate. Here's some some tips and tricks from Keith Baker about Noel player characters. So, when considering a Knoll player character, it's important to ask exactly why they are away from their pack. Because, like I've discussed, Knolls are very, like, pack. Yes. So, 
uh, your NPC may be a fugitive being hunted by their original pact for crimes such as having compassion or having a disdain yeah. for mindless slaughter. Oh, wow. How dare you? <laughs> what a terrible thing. Um, they may be gladiators who were captive or who were um, captured. Fucking, yeah. Um, they may be gladiators who were captured uh, and made to be gladiators in community where slavery is still legal. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Or they may be an orphan pup who is raised outside of their race. <laughs> Which that one seems like the easiest thing yeah. to yeah. like go around, but at the same time, there's it, it so might... many cool things you could do with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, other races interacting with gnolls often find them aggressive even when they're being friendly. But for gnolls, this is just a natural way of establishing hierarchy. So, for example, instead of asking a question, a gnoll may demand an answer. I.e., they, they don't ask what do you or like they don't ask what do you want. They say, "Tell me what you want." <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. And and you know, to them, it's just kind of a natural it's hierarchy. How they work. Yeah, it's how they do. But I think it's funny, just like a knoll, just like grabbing their small human friend by the shoulders and shaking them and being like, "Tell, Tell me, me what, what you, you want, want from the markets." I'm getting lunch. <laughs> I, I do enjoy that. Right. It's it's just precious to me. Again, I, it, it, that very forthright, earnest, young Noel, barely, barely an adult. So even less demonic Noles love to collect trophies of their conquests. So for a Noel with cobbled together armor, they will remember the story of the acquisition of every strip of leather, every animal horn, you know, every little chain link. Which is just like... I love it. Tam is fucking dying. I am. I'm also dying. So, as in a, you know, completely null pack, null adventurers are loyal to those they consider friends and can easily put aside personal glory for the glory and needs of the community. Like I said, they're very pack-focused. Even if their pack is like a chosen pack? Yeah. (laughs) A found pack, if you will. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! Don't make fun of me, okay? Taylor and I are, are fucking dying. Taylor and I are fucking found family hoes over here. Yes, we're not ashamed. So, uh, well, I, this is mostly for player characters. I mean, I guess if you were a DM, you could give like an antagonist some of these. Just fuck your fuck your players. But um, this article provides some interesting feats, including well, most no, a lot of them are just like damage buffs, what have you. Right. But the two most interesting ones are carry an eater, which gives Knolls a plus four to saving throws against poison and endurance checks relating to resisting disease on account of all the dead things they eat. This big thing got very strong yeah. stomachs. Yeah. And also butcher's <clears throat> lure, which allows them to throw their voice and mimic. Specific people or sounds using ghost sound as an at will ability. Damn. Nice. Yeah. Isn't that fucking cool? Damn. Yeah. Oh. And so this brings us to fifth edition. Yes. So, um, I gotta say. Oh no. I am not the biggest fan of 5e's portrayal of Knowles so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always worth noting that they might. Get, release something they might new. release something in the future, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about an edition that's still be- making stuff. Source books. Yeah. So in the Monster Manual, which was published in 2014, gnolls are described as chaotic, evil, tribally organized butchers, yet again. 
which I mean, to be fair, has always been their their core portrayal. But, you know, it's nice when they go a little bit off script. Yeah. So the uh, origin story of their creation has changed a little. uh, Instead, purporting that Yinogu made his way to the prime and went on a rampage, as he does, because he's Yinogu. Um, then hyenas followed and scavenged his kills and were transformed into the first gnolls. So, okay. you know, it, it kind of, kind of, kind of similar, but instead the hyenas themselves became gnolls as opposed to their offspring. Rather, yeah. Rather than giving birth to a gnoll. Yeah. Hmm. So, Yinogu then bestowed the new, newly formed gnolls with an unending hunger that can be only quelled temporarily by killing and consuming intelligent beings. Hmm. So that sucks for them. That's kind of rude. Yeah, right? Yeah, like... And he was basically like, all right, go forth. You have this unending hunger now. Have fun. Eat things. Take over the world for me. Bye. (laughs) Eating bye. I'm going to go back to the abyss now. I do what I want. Work on on layer 420 down there. So, uh... Gnolls have always squabbled amongst themselves, but 5th edition kind of removed any mention of their strong pack loyalty, which, you know. Hmm. So, gnolls see bloodshed as a holy act, and while they're not known for complicated rituals, after battle they'll paint the sigil of Yinogu or some other demonic sigils, you know. Yeah. Yeah, looking looking for something wherever you can get it. They will paint the sigil upon themselves, usually with blood, of course, uh, in hopes to curry Yinogu's favor or the favor of, you know, whatever. Yeah. So gnolls are, in general, obsessed with the idea of signs from Yinogu and will use them, whether they are real or imagined, to guide the actions of their pack. So they're, they're really into signs. They're always looking for signs, you know? Yeah, they look they're... for they look for yellow trucks and they see a lot of yellow trucks, you know, even when they're not really there. Right, they just make stuff up at that point as well. Yeah, I I feel bad for them now. <laughs> I don't like what Fifth Edition has done to them. So gnolls that do gain Yinogu's favor are then possessed by a demonic spirit and mm-hmm. become what's called fangs of Yinogu. So in a similar way to Fifth Edition story about the creation of the first gnolls, uh, hyenas that feast upon the kills of a Yinogu fang, or of a fang of Yinogu, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, are transformed into fully grown gnolls. Okay. okay. So really gaining his favor does nothing for you. I mean, you get stronger. You oh, get okay. stronger. Yeah. There's a, a, in the, in the, <laughs> I hate to say this. Um, and, and kind of the style of, of fifth edition or fourth edition, pardon, there's like a, a null pack lord and a null, uh, fang of Yinogu, but they're basically just like souped up null. And right. Up okay. Pack lord. Nothing really, nothing, nothing really special going on there. So Yinogu himself, the man of the hour, makes an appearance in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, which was published in 2018. Uh, his realm has been named the Death Dells, whether or not that's by other people who are more creative or himself, I'm not sure. The he Death finally Dells. came up with a good, a good name for his realm. I personally like Yinogu's realm, but whatever. <laughs> um, he's uh, 14 feet tall now. He grew oh. two feet. Jeez. And his weapon has been named The Butcher. 
Is it still the, the same? Baker. Yeah, it's still and the candlestick maker. Yeah, it's still the three ball, three balls, <laughs> three ball flail, and it's just called the butcher. The butcher, which I mean is is a pretty good name for a weapon. I mean, I, no, he does I, butcher with it. I love that name for believe. a weapon. So anyone who comes within one mile of his lair on the death dells can be subject to a madness that, depending on a roll against a table, makes the target or victim i guess act like a null in a variety of ways so you know hmm. you just get the unmistakable <clears throat> urge to eat your friends or you know well. you want to howl at the moon and stuff i'm not sure if that was actually one of them i think it might have been but you know um and obviously this can be cured and you know the ways yeah. that other types of madness are cured. yeah sorry i i just yeah i'm just very angry about this <laughs> <nulls> right now <laughs> So, some variants are introduced or reintroduced in Volo's Guide to Monsters, which was published in 2016. Uh, Flins. Flins are back. Remember them? Um, right. Uh, Flins are described as no longer shorter and stockier, but larger and stronger gnolls. Um, and they carry a weapon with Yinogu's blessing. So, it's a flail pretty similar to the Flind bar mm-hmm. that I described earlier. And it both does damage and saps uh, strength from the target. And by strength, I mean hit points. Um, So there is never more than one Flind in a pack. And due to their rarity, gnolls consider Flinds to be special messengers from their god. I mean, the fact that they're carrying a weapon that's blessed by their god, I can see why. Yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) It said if a gnoll kills a Flind and takes their tail that null will be transformed into a flind. So I don't know if that's how you get flins. If that's the only way to get flins, I really don't know. I mean, I would guess that Yinogu can yeah, just like, create oh, them. Here's a here's, here's a, flind. a flind. Go do go do, do flind stuff. stuff. But go, also, yeah. if a null is strong enough to kill one, then they sh- you yeah. can become one. You know, the, the witch who's strong enough to eat the president should become the next president, you know? It feels like a blend of things. <laughs> It's, I don't even know. I might have spun that one off of my insane hungry dome. I don't know. But uh, gnolls also keep the bones of their fallen brethren so that a flind or pack lord can perform a ritual to transform a collection of these bones into a witherling, which is an undead gnoll, basically. It's a stall gnoll, basically. Hmm. Damn. Um, Witherlings may have honestly been introduced as a variant in an earlier edition, but just kind of. I'm really not. But I mean, it's like over it. it's a it's a stall null, right. you know. It's it's fine. I mean, it's an undead null. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Sounds pretty cool well, to me, know, but yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they 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 do null things. They don't have flesh, you know. So gnolls are mentioned in the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, which we're talking about again. Oh my god! Which was published in 2020, which is crazy. Oh, that is. I feel like we talked about this last time that I that it was mentioned, but it's wild to me that I'm talking about a source book that that didn't this year that didn't exist. Well, I say exist, like that hadn't been published when we started this podcast. We're it's literally watching history unfold. Literally. At the hands of Matthew crazy. Mercer. It's Thank crazy. God. Man, it is very crazy. Just, uh. uh right? So they were in the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. Yes, and they are mentioned as finding places in the communities of the Kryn Dynasty, which is a mostly drow nation 
well, I mean, it's it's a drow nation, mostly populated by drow, um, that is also otherwise populated by other outsider races, like gnolls. Okay. okay. So, so there's some there's some cities in the Kryn dynasty that have like a 15-16% knoll population. That's, that's fine. Kind of cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. And I mean, just Yeah, there you go. Yeah, just that whole thing just Yeah. a whole bunch of random outsider races just chilling together. Just just <sighs> I I love it. I love to see it. I, I love, love to see it. But thus far, near as I can tell, I have not found anything Four gnolls as player characters in 5th edition. Give it to us, you cowards. Oh, God. Whoa. Sorry. I'm just very much in love with the, the gnoll creation. That I know. This this young, earnest gnoll man. Yeah, I love him. He's the best boy. You know. Hmm. He's a good boy. So that's gnolls. That so is, that's gnolls. That is gnolls. Eight, eight out of eight book cover creatures done. Another yes. iconic monster in the bag. Another one down. Another one bites the dust. Well, that's that's it for that little um, continuation. What are you going to do next? I don't know. Elf part two. <laughs> what? What's an elf? I only know gnolls. Only know gnolls. Nothing but gnolls. <laughs> nothing but gnolls. The, well, the highly anticipated sequel to Nothing But Gnomes. <laughs> They're nothing not related, except for the fact that gnolls were gnome trolls in like the white box set and then after that at the very beginning (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening if Uh, we actually name the episode that i'm gonna fucking hate myself (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's been it's been a it's been a year we're not reflecting oh right that's right we're not reflecting this week we're not reflecting at all oh right gotcha that's next week (laughs) that's never don't forget to follow us on our various social media pop platforms on twitter on instagram we've been trying to be more active on twitter lately posting occasional hilarious poll searching out art and things of null player characters now oh yes that's actually that's our challenge for next week when we post this episode yes um if you guys don't mind spreading the word to your friends your friends who like gnolls they have to exist i assume your friends who like hyenas your friends who like dogs yeah your that DM def- friends. Your DM friends, yes, who don't know how to include gnolls, who are like, what are gnolls? They, they need to know. Yeah, There's no do. reason to be scared of including them now. It's mm. all here. Do it. <laughs> if you have anything you would like to suggest as a topic, now that I, I finished the last of that thread, and I feel like it would probably be excessive for me to do too many more dragons, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com to suggest things. Yeah. Because I am lost. And with Like all... I am in the rest of my life. <laughs> and thank you guys once again for listening. And with that, we're going to catch you next week on Dungeonpedia. How? No, a who? I mean... $800 fine. <laughs> oh. That's, That's more fine. Hy- That's more hyena. Hey, 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 hey.